Hello and welcome to Hyrule Radio episode number four. This is a live Teamfight Tactics call-in show where you, the viewer, are just as much a part of the show as we are. My name is Nick DiPasquale, also known as Gangly, and this is actually take two of the show starting if you're watching on podcast. For everyone in, in Twitch right now, thanks for hanging in there. Uh, today, I'm joined by two very special guests, hot off the blazing trails of North America's victory at the Mort Dog Madness uh, Neon Knights edition in Asa and Mismatch Socks. Asa, let's start with you. How are you feeling? Okay, uh, North America got a victory, but I got rolled. I had like one of the lowest placements. I did VOD review my games, and I don't really think it was my fault. I low roll pretty hard, but it's fine. But yeah, uh, I'm glad PP God won. Precedent, best reform is a lot of fun. But yeah, I'm doing good. Good, good, good. Yeah, and Socks as well, one of the victors of the tournament. How are you feeling, Socks? Yeah, I mean, it feels good to be on a team with Precedent, right? Uh, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> the, you don't even need to say that. Um, but I, I'm doing well. Um, I guess uh, some, uh, since you guys already heard about the TFT victory, I, I'll just talk about something TFT unrelated, maybe. Like, I had to start going to work recently, like, in person going to work. And, you know, I have to actually start doing, like, you know, full day, full days of work, like, so, like, six hours. So, uh, that's been pretty unpleasant, but yeah. <laughs> well, if nothing else, you have a chance now to just kind of sit back, relax, and flame some callers. I actually meant to tell you guys this beforehand. Uh, and I didn't, so now I just have to say it on the air, that feel free to say whatever you want to the callers tonight. Uh, this is a no-holds-bar call-in show. So if you want to tell someone that their call is dumb, feel free to let them know. If you want to tell someone that their call is really great, also feel free to do that as well. But let me explain how the format of this show works. If you're in Twitch chat right now, if you're watching this, this podcast live on Twitch, you can go ahead and use the command exclamation point Discord. That will get you into my Discord server. Once you're there... You'll see on the left-hand side the Hyrule Radio category. Under that, there's a channel called Submit Takes. Go ahead and post your opinions, your hot takes, or questions that you have for Asa or Mismatch Socks. We could talk about a large range of things. I mean, Mortog Madness is probably the biggest one that just happened. Uh, we can talk about the entirety of the Set 6 and 6.5 competitive season as we're kind of wrapping that up. I mean, it, it's done now. We're basically in set seven waiting room um there's not too much we can really talk about about set seven yet if you guys have any takes feel free to throw them in there i'm not sure if we'll take them um but once you're there submit your take and then go into the waiting room and mute yourself don't deafen uh, but if we like your take we'll we'll bring you in for a quick mic check before you we, we put you onto the show um with all that said the three of us we're just going to sit here and and talk a little bit i mean obviously we said it before more dog madness is the biggest thing that that just kind of happened. PP God uh, practicing for the wrong Riot game and still winning the tournament. I actually, I wanted to talk about this though. Um, I don't know, Asa, did you watch the stream for day two? I watched um, I watched it with Frodan, yeah. I watched every game, I think, except the first one because I was sleeping during the first one. Did you watch the main broadcast or did you watch like their their POV with, with comms? I watched Frodan's co-stream. Um, there is no comms, but um, Frodan was controlling the camera, and he had all all ten player streams open simultaneously, and he would just like flip between them. Well, one of the things that I thought was really cool, and I think it is kind of um, the product of the four v four format, was that Socks was really vocal in the tournament. I actually I talked, I messaged Socks and Asa earlier, um, talking about this that. 
I, I actually would attribute a lot of the success of the team to both Sox and Goobums, who were incredibly vocal, not only making calls about like how to make people's boards stronger, but also like on a macro level um, of like talking about when to all in or like how to how, uh, how to target certain players. I don't know, like Sox, did you kind of want to talk about that, like how four v four stacks up to like the standard free for all format? Yeah, I mean, like <clears throat> I'm not gonna lie. Um... I was watching some of the like EU players and NA players bots for like the 4v4 tournament and they were just playing their own game and that's I'm pretty sure that's why like our team was by far like by so much farther the best 4v4 tournament uh, 4v4 team like it doesn't matter whether Soju or Pressman play the game like 4v4 is fundamentally like a, a game about like <clears throat> it's like a macro game way more than important than like how good individuals are so like you don't 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 even look at like the, the scores like at the very end, they had the scores up, and it's like, you know, what the scores, press event, Soju, me and Goobums. Uh, that shit is turbo fake. Like, um, I, I, like uh, one of my hot takes is that, like, I, uh, for example, I pretty much never scouted any of my teammates at all. And if I saw that the enemies had no blitz rank, I would just corner my carries. And then in two different, in two different like, uh, 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 scenarios, my literal three-item carry got hooked by the, my teammates' blitz crank. And I'm like, bruh. Um, but that doesn't matter because like it doesn't really matter if your uh, if your carry gets hooked by your own team because like like it's not that big of a deal right so because you like the the HP swing if your teammate wins versus or versus you, if you win is not that big of a deal. So I I want to actually talk about this because uh, in before we were you know on the show, we, I wanted to say that um <clears throat> I think like four v four should be the format going forward. Um, as someone who's played in multiple formats right now, like I think 44 has the most potential to be like to make TFT a watchable esport. Interesting. Okay, Asa, you obviously were a part of this tournament as well. Before I kind of give any thoughts, I have I think people are more interested to hear from you. Like, well, one kind of general thoughts on 4v4, and then if you also want to respond to Socks about 4v4 being like the primary um, format. Um. So I think from a competitive standpoint. I agree with Socks that 4 versus 4 is actually the most fun because if you're playing your own game, let's say it's like stage 4, and you know like your opponent's going for Draven, like one of your seven opponents, it's not really worth it to hold two Dravens holding eight gold on your bench that you could be using on your own board. But like when it comes to 4 versus 4, like that whole aspect of the game really becomes unlocked, and it's really fun. I really enjoyed that. Um, so I think for competitive, 4 versus 4 makes a lot of sense. Like... Socks, I think in the pre-show mentioned supporting it over double up, but the, I think the thing is, for casual play, it's hard to get like four players. So then like double up, it's easy to find like one person, just like play that. But yeah, I, I think four four was a lot of fun, but it's um, I, I think it might be difficult for like Riot to like support. I guess. Do you think it would be worth? supporting competitively if we had to do it within the format we have right now of like having to queue into a, a solos game and you have the ability to to compete against your own teammates or do you think like it's only worth pursuing competitively if we have a dedicated 4v4 mode wait i want to i think okay i think a, okay. a dedicated 4 4 mode would be better but yeah yeah sure uh, i want to interject uh, uh i mean we can continue discussing but uh, here there's actually two different takes um at least in a macro sense so if you can't queue into your teammates you can only queue into the enemies then the matchmaking gets pretty predictable um assuming that they keep similar matchmaking but half of the fun of 4v4 um on a macro level is the fact that uh, a lot of times in 4v4 
let's just say your next two opponents is two EU players and one NA player. Um, technically, it would be awful to like level, like it's a terrible spot. But you, sometimes you just level and roll it down anyways because you have such a high chance of finding EU player, and then that life swing is so massive that like sometimes you just make like bad plays because uh, you're killing two EU players. And if it's three EU players, like you always just level and roll it down because your next three fights are just going to be EU, EU, EU. So then you just like rail them. Um, so like you're you're losing a lot of macro sense in the fact that if you make it like dedicated something like that. But obviously they need like a dedicated four before. But like it can't just be like you can't you can only fight enemies, right? Because uh, otherwise I, I don't know. Um, at least that's part of the fun for me, uh, for the four before tournament. There was so many like um, you know, a different like leveling decisions you can make. Yeah, yeah, know. I agree. I think you need to be able to fight teammates. I, I got confused when you asked your question about queuing. I thought you meant like outside in the client queuing up. Oh, I understand. No, no, no. Well, well so one thing I think that's actually really cool to kind of support um, Sox's point, I remember a specific moment in, I want to say it was one of the later games of day two, where Sox had taken um, Future Sight. I don't remember which game it was, but Sox had taken Future Sight, which allowed him to not only know who he was playing, but also sometimes decipher who someone else in his team was playing. Because if he was then in their um, in their pool of players that they could play, but he knew who he was playing next, you could kind of tell if your pool was actually only full of European players. And then we also saw a different moment where I remember Sox made the call that, um, I want to say it was It was someone play for first. And all the rest of us level to eight, roll it down every turn just to <laughs> just to deal damage to the European players. Let Goobum sweep them at the end. And it's actually it's it's cool that like it adds this extra level of just like knowledge is power. And the way you communicate with your team, you can kind of problem solve together to figure out how to like actually get to the end. Okay, wait that that that's like fairly big brain, but the even more big brain shit is um, um. So I play a lot of TVT with Goobums. And one of the one of the things is that we have a lot of cycles, and Goobums is always scouting for exactly what the what item component people needs on Carousel, like that's his like role in our, when we play two v two, and he did that in four before, and we griefed like every single important component. There was a chance where the EU player would have instantly got first if he got blue buff brand, but we denied it from him, and like that guy literally lost the streak like two rounds later. <laughs> um, so like four v four is having a, uh, about having like a lot of free cycles to help your opponents. Like P God and Precedent mostly, no P God and Soju mostly played their own game, um, but having uh, Goo, uh, like Goobums is one of, like my two v two teammate. Like having Goobums as a two v two teammate or like just a teammate in general is just next level. Asa, you were on you were team binoculars, right? So it was you, Goose, Solus, and Ramcat. <laughs> yeah. What was the dynamic like? I mean, did you do you feel like you also had kind of moments of like the team oriented discussion? Definitely. Um, I don't think we like socks. I feel like it sounds like they had like two like IGLs when I think like in like Valorant, it's like a lot of times they have like an in game leader and he might not be getting the most kills. Uh, I think for us, we definitely like talk about those things like, okay, I have like three people like play for top four, one person play for first, uh, griefing our opponent's items, um, like, you know, sacking board if you know you're going to play your teammates. Like we definitely did all that, and I, I think it was a lot of fun. I kind of wish we scrimmed beforehand so we could like practice that, but it, it was a lot of fun like figuring it out in the middle of the tournament as well. Um, sorry, what was the question? But yeah, uh, just just kind of talking about <laughs> I, like it's a great time. Yeah, no, just like um, because we're we're talking about like the 
uh, ad- added level of like discussion that comes from like being in 4v4, like having the you know strategies like griefing items or um, when to level and all in that like maybe you have actually just like a different cadence in the game compared to like where you would be normally. Um, I guess, I mean, it kind of sounds like you, you answered it anyway. Sorry, I also was a little distracted because I'm kind of reading takes on the side. But I'm going I'm to pivot this conversation because I feel like we've talked on 4v4 a little bit and I want to talk about kind of set 6, 6.5 uh, as, as a whole um, before we get some takes in. But um, obviously, competitive season is over. Both Sox and Asa, you were both two very visible competitors um, in both sets. Asa uh, doing very well in set 6 kind of not finding that same success in 6.5. And also Sox felt like everyone everyone kept talking about how good you are throughout different points in, in, in the sets. Like I remember going into Piltover Cup, I think you were rank one. Uh, going into, I think it was like Zon Cup or Innovation Cup. Another one, everyone everyone's talking about how good you were compared to the rest of the, the uh, ladder. And it, it felt like either it just like didn't quite pan out in terms of like the variance you saw in tournament or whatever it was. I mean, I would I would love to kind of get your thoughts on like how the competitive season went for the two of you uh, this set. Asa, do you want to start? Um, yeah, I think. Okay, so as was always, like I always, no matter what happens, I think everyone, myself, I could have played better, of course. Um, so like I don't just want this to sound like an excuse, but. I say this a lot. I think a lot of people do not understand how much variance is in a TFT tournament because the win rate for a single game is very similar to a win rate to a single table poker tournament, um, a Sinco. They have very, very similar win rates and it's extremely common for like anyone who plays a lot of poker to go through 100 or 200 game losing streaks. Like, that's not like 200 in a row, but over 200 games, even if you're like the best player, like let's say 70% top four rate, 25% top one rate to go through like a 100 game streak where like you're, you know, you lost more than you want. Um, so obviously, like in a six game sample size, like I didn't make day two on um, regionals and like I was pretty bummed out about that. But yeah, I just like, I could play, play better for sure. But yeah, it's just like, I think a lot of people just do not realize how much variance goes into that. So yeah. Now, now, when you're talking about, like, the amount of variance compared to their ladder rankings, because, like, statistically speaking, that, that doesn't quite add up, but also you're saying it's because the field of play is 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 more competitive? Is that why? No, I'm, I'm just I'm saying hypothetically, if you're in regionals and your win rate in every game is 70% top, 70% top four and 25% top one, which I think is pretty generous in such a tough yeah, field as sure. regional, I think that's pretty generous to any given player. But if that is your win rate, I think there's a lot of um, there's like a very high chance you don't make the next day. And I think like a lot of like after the fact narratives, like going into the tournament, a lot of people consider Nubao to be like the overwhelming favorite. And then he got day one. And then like literally no one talked about him after that at all. So um, like obviously uh, like the last don't talk if you don't know, obviously Gubum's like amazing player. Like we can watch his VODs and see that. But that could like that could have been like almost, like a lot of different people as well. Uh, but I think it depends, right? Like I, I get Ace's point. Ace's point is saying that even if you have like a, even if you're like have a huge even if you're a huge favorite going to the tournament, um, you can still get day one. But I mean, 
I think uh, the uh, I think one point is that like when we were we uh, me and Gubans reviewed New Balance Files later, and New Balance missed it by one point, and uh, we have identified like ten or fifteen spots that he could have made up one point. Now one point is obviously not a very large number of points, and like it's just unlucky that he missed it by one point. But I feel like one point is probably like um, skill oriented. Probably like it's just it's not that. It's not that much of a stretch to get one point, and it was like there was very few, very, very clear spots you could have, could have gone one point. Yeah, we kind of talked about this um, after last chance qualifier. That's what it was. After last chance qualifier, where Ramblin had that horrible, completely miserable low roll where he just can't find Battles of Heart two, you know, ends up missing in the tiebreaker. <clears throat> um, everyone on the show kind of agreed the same thing. Socks is saying that like if you lose by one point. It's it's very rare that you could not have found that one point by playing better. Which, uh, the 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 thing I would say in Ace's favor though is, not everybody needs to play at the same level to receive the same amount of points, and that's the frustrating part of TFT. That I could play significantly worse than the the two of you in any given game, and I could still place higher than you. But the the thing that's encouraging for me, at least in like the competitive atmosphere or landscape, is that. We still have we're still at a point in TFT where anybody who doesn't advance to the next stage, for the most part, could have advanced if they played better. Um, and un until we reach that point where it's like I played perfectly, I could not have done any better, and I still got day one. To me, it's like there's still a lot of life left in this game that we you know, there's still a lot of room to improve and left to a lot of uh, stuff left to to explore. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm just reading the chat because it's just it's super interesting. It looks like the, uh, esports law and Asa are having a discussion in Twitch chat about. Uh, uh, no, but the thing is that like um, Asa is right in the terms of like um, a lot of times. Um, yeah, like RNG can get us uh, um, make it such that you can't get top four. There's no way. But things that with better play, a lot of these like because poker is like a win or lose scenario. It's like a black and white thing. A lot of times it is it is like more or less like oh. It's, if it's a, if you if you if you lose you lose but like TFT you can actually get those placements like by playing differently and making different decisions. I I, I, I understand the Pokemon analogy a little bit, but like when we watched New Boss VODs, it wasn't like oh these mistakes are really hard to identify. They're really obvious mistakes. They're like oh he this is like egregious. <laughs> like you know right right I know like he made. Uh, um, I was just, I know like even the rambling example I talked about like one of the one of the spots where I noticed he could have gained one point was he basically did a transition and didn't leave enough time to scout while having future sight. And he could have gained a placement just by using his augment. And that's like, that's a very basic fundamental thing. Obviously it's a lot harder when you're doing a big transition, but those are, those are things you can improve on. And even like, that's something I know socks you talked about in, um, in Doa's galaxy brain, like way back in set four about like one of the fundamental things that a lot of people get wrong in TFT is like not allowing your, your, yourself Time to think, like not allowing your, yourself to like really look at other people's boards and make decisions. That's like a fundamental part of TFT that in that one moment, Ramblin didn't didn't have. Not that he's not one of the best players in North America, but like that, that's a simple problem that he could have fixed and gotten one more point. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I kind of just uh, don't agree with Ace's take in the fact that um, it is RNG because um, I feel like there's so, so much in your control that like, Yes, you probably should be represented. Newball probably should have gone to Worlds, but like him not going to Worlds, um, he can still control most of it. Like he can still, 
it's still within his realm of control. Like, it's not completely up to RNG that he doesn't make it to Worlds. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay, like, I agree with that, but I feel like you guys are a little, a little misunderstanding what I'm saying about variants. Um, I'm not talking about, like, you can make a different decision or anything. I'm talking about, like, assuming your win rate, like, top four rate is 70%, and your top one rate is 25%. Just using those numbers, it doesn't matter what decisions you make. It doesn't matter how you sure. get there. I'm saying that even if you are, like, that, which is probably, if you have those numbers, you're probably the best player in the field. Um that's what I'm saying. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I agree with you guys. And also part of the reason I'm part of the reason I'm really hard on myself, like when I lose games is because I believe if like Google developed like um, the equivalent of Alpha Zero for TFZ, TFT, I believe if mm. that was a thing, a thing, I think it would top four close to 100 percent against the seven best players in the world right now. So that's why, like. I, I think like that's possible because there's so many decisions you make in TFT, you can always make them better. I got day one on in regionals. I feel like um, my play obviously could have been better. If I played better, I think I could have made day two, but there still is a lot of variance. Um, well, not I could have. I definitely would have made day two if I played better. But I'm just I'm just saying like if you're the best player in the tournament, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, like if you're, sure. if you're the current world's best player, you can still very easily get day one. Just yeah, no, say. of course, that's that's I think everyone agrees with that. But yeah, I I believe like if you play TFT perfectly, you could probably top four close to one hundred percent against like the seven best players in the world right now, just because there's so many decisions you make. Yeah, yeah. And then maybe I can take this opportunity to talk about my Sussex. Now, um, oh, I mean Sussex is a meme set. Um, I didn't put too much effort into most of the prep for the tournaments or like. Um, most of the set, and just a few tournaments that like really, really I needed to qualify for worlds, uh, qualify for regionals. I uh, practice a lot, <clears throat> and um, I think the most of, for the most part the results showed. Um, me and Gubbins practice a lot for uh, what is it called Zong Cup, and but we went one two, and we went one two by like a wide margin too. Um, so yeah, and then for set six point five, um, I'm not gonna lie, I was pretty much guaranteed to qualify. Like the things that. Uh, when I practice, so when I prep for world, when I prep for NA regionals, so when I prep for comps, uh, this time I didn't have too much time. So instead of getting better than everyone else, which just takes a lot of time and takes a lot of effort, uh, I just cheated and I like found a comp that is so broken that like I knew that if I played silver every game, I would have uh, I would have I had like a hundred percent top four rate and a hundred percent um like a fifty percent win rate for most of my games if I if I was the only person playing silver, and for like. For like two weeks before the regionals, I was the only person playing Sivir, and then I leaked it. And then I think four people played Sivir in the final lobby, and then uh, I still didn't make it to Worlds. But even despite that, even despite that, I'm pretty sure my odds of qualifying for... Um, my, my odds of qualifying for any regionals was like... Uh, still overwhelmingly high. I played like comps I've never played. And I still like played better, played it better than most people. I think I played two twitch rerolls, one twin shot reroll. Um, if I if I just practiced those comps maybe once or twice, I think I would have made it. Um, but like the thing is that like <clears throat> uh, some of these to uh, tournaments results are kind of fake uh, because partially what Asa said, but also partially because um, for me, uh, half those comps I never played, and I'm pretty sure I literally. Uh, uh, top four, or I, I, I did. I actually did decently well in, um, in the end of regionals. Pretty much from just pure fundamentals. So my ego is kind of big, 
I'm pretty sure I am huh. top five player. Also, want to talk about my set six as well? If uh, yeah, go for it, and then we'll get into some callers right after. I just want to say, so I talked about like on six point five, like um, again, like I said, I could have played better, so I don't want to just use that excuse. But I talked about like negative side variants. But also the positive side variants, like I kind of got my name out there winning Challenger series, and like I think I was actually the one of the weakest players to make the uh, the, fi- the final lobby. Um, but yeah, and I also started streaming after that. Uh, shout out to Jirachi for like encouraging me to do that. I'm trying to stream full time now, but um, I started streaming after, and that actually took away like so much of my like uh, potential to improve during 6.5. It was taking so much of my attention. Like, um, even when I got done playing TFT, instead of thinking it's like, oh, how can I be better at TFT? I would think about like, oh, how can I get like more stream engagement and stuff? So it was like, I have like so much respect for people who are like streaming TFT and like stay at the top of the ladder. It's like, it's like, I, I never realized I had a big advantage because like what Sox is about re- leaking tech, like going to Challenger series, I knew like a lot of like positioning stuff and just like certain units are really strong that like other people didn't know because, um, I didn't stream, and they did, so I learned stuff from them, but they didn't learn stuff from me. So, yeah. All right, very nice. Well, yeah, I think it's a nice little recap for both of your, you know, kind of uh, set six, 6.5 careers. And with that, we can move right into some callers. All right. We've got our first caller of the night, Bryce Blum, Esports oh, Law, is here. <laughs> Bryce, where are you calling from? Who are you with this guy? What the heck? <laughs> what's up, Bryce? This guy. Uh, I'm calling from Seattle. Um, you know, very the nice, city, the greatest city in the country. Uh, okay, what do you want to talk so about I, tonight. Well, so I wanted to quickly weigh in on this variance discussion because I think it's a super interesting discussion that doesn't that doesn't come up enough in TFT, and I think Asa, because of his poker background, is one of the the kind of big proponents of talking about variance in TFT. And I think in general, I really agree with Asa's takes on variance, but I do think that there's a little bit of nuance in the way in which I think about TFT variance versus versus poker variance because there's so much more control in TFT, and and that can control comes from from skill, but it also comes from knowledge, right? Like Sox gave a great example of if he doesn't leak the Siver tech, I think we can say that absent the tech getting leaked some other way, which is relatively unlikely under the circumstances, Sox qualifies for worlds like. I don't know. How often socks you think like 95 times out of 100? I think or something? at least 90. Like I yeah. legitimately think that. I think um, that so, too. No, the thing is that if you watch EU and like they didn't leak the tech for some reason like the NA like EU players don't watch NA or something like that. But like nobody played Silver NA. And then oh. like and then like literally every single if you look at the shops it's like three servers per shop nobody bought it. <laughs> so like I I I'm very very certain. Yeah, that's like a ninety I, to ninety-five percent. But I'm saying like I, it's just a math problem. So it's like let's say you don't leak the tech. What do you think your top four rate per game and top one rate per game is? I mean, I mean, I I don't know. I don't know. Okay, but I'm saying like even if your top four rate per game is like ninety percent, you're not gonna make worlds ninety percent if you make regionals. That's what like that's what I'm saying. It doesn't no, matter. Wait, how you why get not? There. I agree with Bryce. It's like you're making a thousand plus decisions every TFT game, so you can control. Like you have a lot more like ability to improve but like what i'm saying is it doesn't that actually doesn't matter you can just look at the math in the context of hey what's your top four rate what's your top one rate and then we can go from there like how you get there it doesn't it doesn't matter is what i'm saying i i think that kind of confused like if, if someone does have 
Like, I, I wish I, I understood how the math worked. I, I, I would defer to Asa. On the, like, I trust that Asa has a better understanding of how this math plays out than I do. But, like, in my head, if someone has, like, a 90% top four rate, how do they not make... Like, it's, doesn't that mean well, that... There's like, only four out of 32, right? Yeah, and it, it wouldn't just be top four. It would be it would have to be average placement, right? Um, sure, yeah. yeah. And, you could do average placement. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because like if you you know not all bot fours are created the same. But I but what so I think part of my take on this is that it's it's not just about like Sox's capability to win worlds. It's that like okay, if he doesn't leak the tech, Sox has one hundred percent chance of qualifying for day two. Um, and I think that Goobum's edge on the field, what it wasn't a specific comp or tech, but Goobum's was so he was first of all he's in peak form skill wise i think his you could put his skills like Sox is talking about his tft fundamentals i think you could put Goobum's skills up against any player in that field and he would either be like even to them or have an edge and against many of the players in the field he had a significant edge but then when you couple that with the prep work he did and the knowledge he he had of all of the different outs and trees i think there was essentially no amount of low rolling that stops him from getting to day two now it there it gets harder as it goes his his edge gap is going to get smaller, right? As the people who were weaker on the patch are, 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 you know, fizzling out in the tournament and you can't guarantee a world spot because there is some amount of low rolling that you could throw at him at, on the final day. But I think that a lot of the times when we talk about TFT, there's this, there's this inclination from pros and fans to say that the edges are really small and that it's mostly RNG. And I can tell you having studied a lot of TFT over the course of the last two years, that is just not true. And in a given event, the edge between the actual best player in the field and the fifth best player in the field can be monumental, way, way bigger than we see in poker. It's the equivalent of taking, you know, someone that understands like deep, deep, like understands GTO now and like tournament theory now and putting them in tournaments like 20 years ago. Like it's, the game has evolved so much. Like I played a lot of serious poker, you know, 15 years ago. And it's very clear to me right now that I suck at poker. And that's okay. It's a hobby for me. But like, you know, the core thing here is that the gaps between the best and the worst in a given field of TFT right now is much, much bigger than we're we're looking at when we're doing some of these poker analogies. But again, like, so let's, first of all, I like to say, I think there's, again, like a lot of like hindsight analysis because People like overwhelmingly thought Nubal was a favorite, but let's just say for sake of argument, and this is I, I probably believe this to be true. Let's say Goobums is the best player. What do you think his top four rate or top one rate on day one of regionals is? Like if you give me a number, then we can work from that. But you can't just say he's a hundred percent, because I don't think his top four rate is a hundred percent in day one. And if in yeah. regional field, like it's not that soft. Yeah, it's yeah, not even hundred percent on ladder. Like I don't think yeah. you get hundred percent top four on ladder against masters players. So I don't see how you can say it's hundred percent in day whoa, one. Whoa, whoa. Let's let's not bring ladder to this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I know Sox says he can hundred percent top four on ladder. Yeah, no, but... if he if he wanted to try, like if, if any of us wanted to try and like actually studied like ladder theory, like Sesuko kind of does, or like yeah. or like reorients the place out entirely to bully ladder players. We can probably not get 100% rate, top four rate because that's obviously impossible for any human. But like, I think a 90 to 95% is well, well within reason for a top. Yeah, rate. I mean, like, I think, I think like a bot could do like that much. And I think like if you got really good at, it, I think you can. But I think Setsuko is like a great example where it's like you're saying he's one of the best at it. I mean, his top four rate is closer to 70% than like. Yeah, but so. this isn't this that that's. 
Setsuko spams infinite games. He's streaming while he plays his games. He has literally no incentive to put his full self into it. I, I think, think Sox is describing a world in which, like, you treat ladder like it's regionals, but regionals for a million dollars, right? That would be the that would be the litmus test. Yeah, I, I guess I still disagree that like um, he would be able to get ninety percent top four rate. Well, ninety probably is exaggeration. Yeah. It, unless unless like he's tournament mode constantly playing against ladder players constantly. Right, like, so I'm saying like hypothetically. I don't, I don't think the edge is that big. But the thing is that, okay, let's just say, let's just use, let's just use at least a 75%. Or like, let's just say your average placement is 75% top four rate. And what is, uh, let's just say it's, I don't know, what's a good average placement? Three, three point, like 2.8 or something? 2.8 is insane. So maybe 3.0 average, which is pretty insane. That would be that would be record breaking for an average placement. Like uh, the the best average placement I've ever seen in a tournament was Ramblin in Piltover Cup, which was two point eight, and it was it, it, like it hasn't been seen before in tournament apart from maybe if you are only looking at like a sure, let's one day sample. Let's just right. see so, so I'm saying like even if that is your true win rate, you are by far the best player in NA. That is your true win rate. There's still like a pretty good chance, like your chance of not making day two is higher than like seeing a jinx at level eight. And if, like we've all seen a jinx at level eight. But but wait a second, what is the what is the likelihood? So what do you actually need average placement wise to make it to day two of regionals, right? Because there's a third of the field. Wait, so wait, your wait, average wait. Placement needs to be like wait, jinx level eight is only like what four percent? Four percent for any legendary five unit slots, like eight legendaries. Possible. See, that's so, the thing. I think four percent is actually like low enough where like it doesn't happen. That's that's saying like that. The way that's it saying it does like, happen. I, like, I know, I know. I I understand from progress perspective, but that's saying nineteen tournaments in twenty, you make it. Okay, that's also I'm saying using this hypothetical, very exaggerated number. I don't think. Okay, let Goobums is probably the best player in regionals. I don't think he was that good to have that big of an edge. That okay, this but, number that uh, we're okay, using, let's just 2. say two point eight true average. Okay, as someone who plays with Goobums, I mean, I practice a lot with Goobums. I assure you, his edge over the rest of the NAPL was monumental. Like, monumental. And it's probably not 3.0 average, but it's easily somewhere within the reasons of, like, 3.2 to 3.5. Okay, yeah, I mean, like, I agree with that. But I'm saying, like, even at that number, you're actually, like, pretty likely, like, to not make day two. That's all I'm saying. We need uh, to no, 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 wait, wait, wait. We actually need someone to run the numbers on this because I don't actually know. I, I did want to kind of bring one thing up, um, and this is actually is something all three of you could probably answer. Bryce, you talked about when you when you first joined the call, um, saying like the, that you would be able to tell that the gap between the best player and the fifth best player in a tournament um, is actually is is pretty wide. the The problem with that is that the the amount of work and also the adjustment for variance is so monumental to actually understand like the best second, third, fourth, fifth, like even don't the, the panel, which like you could argue some people don't really put that much work into it. Like how confident could we even say, how, how confident could you be to list the top five players in any given tournament? I feel like you couldn't be that confident, right? You, yeah, you can, so you can't be that confident because the someone posted in chat earlier, I thought this was an interesting analogy, that it's like uh, everyone's taking a test, but everyone's taking a different test, right? And that's sort of true. You're all yes, taking yeah. a test within the same subject matter, but the questions are randomized and who knows what it's go, you know what is going to get put before someone and how they're going to be able to respond. If you give a somewhat narrow player, right? Like for example, you go back to like DQA making worlds in set four and you look at the test that he got and it was like, okay, what we have proven is that when you give DQA KO lines, he's a beast. 
right? But that's really all you proved. And if you gave him other lines, you probably would have proved something completely different. I think that if you go back and watch the play closely, you can figure out was someone just getting outs that were that they're comfortable in? Were they high rolling? Were they mid rolling and making it work? Were they low rolling and making it work? And it you know, not everyone is created equal. Like if you watch Ram Kev's games from last regionals, right? Because he didn't play in this regionals. Ramkev low rolled like crazy in set five regionals, and he still barely missed. And most people in Ramkev's spot would have completely flamed out and would have gotten in like bottom three in points. And the fact that he barely missed is a testament to his skill. That was obviously a different format. It was 16 to eight, so it was harder. Um, but yeah, you really do have to eye test. And, and you know, Ace is talking about hindsight analysis. I, I don't think it's hindsight analysis from the perspective of like, yes, we did not realize going into the tournament how big of a gap Goobums had over the other players. But when you watch the games in the tournament, not just Goobums games with the other players, it becomes very clear that gap existed. And it's not like, it's not results-oriented bias. Goobums didn't win regionals, but if you watch his games, it was pretty clear he was the best player at regionals. No, I'm not, I'm not talking about saying... that. You're talking about like really specific things. And I'm not disagreeing with you with that. I'm just... I'm just saying, like, you, all these really specific things are the difference between someone with, like, a three-average placement or a five-average placement. But I'm saying, like, even at the be the best, like, three-average placement, which is, like, as good as, like, realistically um, any player can do in set six, I think the skill cap is higher than that, potentially. But I think skill, like, even at that level, you still have a high chance of flaming out. And I also want to bring up on the last Don't Talk If You Don't Know featuring Ramblin and Robinson, I think. Um, at the very start of the show, they were talking about China finals. Um, on Teamfight Talk Show, right bef before Worlds, I think a lot of top players, a lot of top NA players, kind of, they watched VODs, and they kind of unanimously agreed Juan Mi was the best Chinese player going in before Worlds. Um, but then after Worlds, two out of the six Chinese players made day three, and Ramo was like, oh, well, those two were the best players. And it's like, I actually completely disagree with that. I think any of those two out of six players could have made day three if we were to redo that tournament. I think it, I think that it's because you're working from inf imperfect information from the outset, right? So like everyone's saying that Nubal was by far the best player going to regionals. I think we're we're overvaluing his performance at Challenger Series and his performance on ladder leading up to it. Well, actually, and... I wanted to point out real quick for the Nubal in tournament thing because um, and I, I want to interject because we always use Nubal as the quintessential example of someone who everyone agrees is the best player in theory but has never proven the results right like everyone keeps using that um but i mean i mean from like multiple gameplay tournament analysis i'm pretty sure newball just has like tournament jitters or he's not like focused for tournaments it's like exterior factors mm. yeah i don't know if that counts, I agree with that. But, okay but, I, I actually I wanted to interject real quick, just kind of in defense of you, Asa, because I, I think like something Asa is kind of pointing out that I feel like we're kind of skirting around is like if we take this uh, analogy of like taking a, a test, what we're saying is hypothetically, Newbowl is given a test where he knows by heart 90% of the subject matter, but is only tested on 10% of it. And it's that 10% that he doesn't know. Like, obviously, that is, um, you know, a, an extreme example of it, but like, the people who go out day one, there's a world where the best player in the region goes out day one because they were only tested on the subjects they didn't study. And that's the part of TFT that, like, the variance kicks in and it really, you know, forces us to 
be okay with making a certain level of hindsight analysis and a certain level of saying like the reputation and the results do have to weigh at least a certain amount because it's impossible within an 18 game sample size to really understand where these gaps are. Yeah, I just want to say like one last thing. This will be the last thing I say on the various con con topic, sure, sure, sure. but yeah, it's just like, after. I, I yeah, think like when we use like Nuba on Goobums, there's definitely more like, like we're more connected to them, like as uh, just NA players, of course. So, but I think like just using China, for example, like if we were to replay worlds, like just like somehow rewind time, but then like the TFT matches are different, replay worlds, where are the chances? Let's just say we can even simplify it and say like two out of the six Chinese players are going to make day three. What are the chances it's going to be exactly Lilu and uh, the other guy whose name sounds like Lilu? I forgot his name, but what are the chances it's going to be exactly? <laughs> exactly gonna be those two i think it's incredibly low i don't yeah, think very low say I agree. best players because they made day three i agree, I agree I with that think we can all agree there and that's a good i think let's yeah. that's just let's stop it there because i think this is a topic that can be talked about in circles endlessly um we're never really going to get to a place where everyone agrees but bryce appreciate you coming on before you go is there anything you want to shout out shout out to you it's a great show thanks for having me on enjoy the debate boys and uh catch you next time all right love you bryce. See you later, bryce all right later all right, let's just move right into it. We kind of we kind of lingered on that topic a bit. It was good discussion, but I think we're ready for some new calls. Lawrence is here. Lawrence, where are you calling from? Hi there. Calling from Oregon again. All right. Yes. Yeah. Second time caller. Uh, Ooh, well, what do you want to talk about tonight? Hi there. Um, so I I did hear Asa just say he was going to not say much more on variants, but I might be delving into it just a little bit simply because he's here. <laughs> uh, we'll cater um, we'll cater it in a way that's that's more productive. Okay, let's let's give that a shot. Um, so, and my take is that in sports, uh, people commonly want to like crown a champion, and so that's why we kind of tend towards these like playoffs form of low games in short amount of time period. But um, in a hypothetical like long form tournament, um, like if you included a say regular season along top of this, I think that half of the prize pool should actually go to the player that forms the best in the regular season. So like. If there's like a top eight, you would give like half the prize pool to those players, and then the other half would go to the top eight in the finalists. You're saying when you're talking about finalists, you're talking about like the regional finals, whatever like the world's qualification is. Uh, correct. Like this is this is slightly different than the format that's right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess to like maybe frame this, say like there's a uh, structure where people play in a regular season and they go into a playoffs, mm -hmm. and that's it. And then there's like just the winner thing like this like separate from like the regionals right now and going into worlds um so like they have like let's say a 30 game regular season going into a like three best of six playoffs uh maybe like a little less than that um i think that half of the prize pool should actually go to that uh top eight from the regular season as well as the top eight from finals interesting okay uh, I, I have a couple of thoughts. Do, Acer or Sox, do one of you want to go for it? Or if, if you don't, then I can kind of reroute this question or kind of give a response first. Do either one of you have any oh, other sure, thoughts? Oh. oh, sure. I was going to say, isn't that already kind of the thing? Like, I'm not, maybe not half, but like at least 33% of the prize pool is going towards like Potable Cup, Song Cup, Innovation Cup, Challenger Series. Like at least 30, at least 33%, right? Probably 50% almost. They, they is pay that true? pretty deep. I'm, I'm, actually, wait, don't they pay out every spot, right? I don't in, know. In in like Challenger I, series, I think they pay out every spot, right? Isn't uh, that fairly high? I'm not sure, but it's, it's, it should be like fifty percent, right? Well, like 33, uh, 50? 
They definitely pay out day three for the open bracket event, right? Which is top. No, no, not not the not the open brackets. They don't that they don't pay shit for those. Oh Do really? They? Oh, is it only top eight? No, I'm. Pretty I mean, sure... it's, it's Misa. There's Misa. There's challenge. I don't even know. Okay. To be honest. Uh, let me let me let me um kind of cater this a different a different way. Instead of talking about payouts, uh, what I want to talk about, and uh, forgive me, Lawrence, I'm going to kind of take this in a slightly different oh, direction. Ahead. Um, is how we value players. So th here here's a different um example. Let's say we do have some sort of circuit, four games per week over the course of a set that leads up into into a playoffs. Um. <coughs> Should we be doing things like valuing players who have the best average placement week over week? Like once a player hits, for instance, like, I, I mean, I talk about Solus a lot. Like, I know it's kind of memed on, uh, but like Solus had an incredible uh, average placement over the course of 73 games in set six. Obviously, it's split up between different patches, even even like mid, you know, mid set, whatever. But like, is there a world where we have enough games over the course of like a, a regular season where you could confidently say, like, if a player plays 80 tournament games in a single set, then like I personally, I think that's a pretty large sample size to be able to make some level uh, of of like judgment about them. Right. Uh, uh, maybe I'll go first, but I feel like ninety nine percent, ninety five percent of those games don't even matter. Like, why would you take it? Why would you take into? Why would you? Okay, like let's just uh, let's just say for uh, I don't know for me, Ener uh, regionals is like and maybe miss set are like only the tournaments that truly matter to me. Like, no matter how poorly I qualify play in most of the other tournaments, as long as I put in like the bare minimum effort, I will qualify for any regionals. So why would I even bother? Uh, like trying i don't get it maybe maybe ace has a different opinion on it yeah i, I guess i would say i, I kind of disagree because again i'm saying like again like the numbers i'm using the baseline i know there's a lot of things you can do to get better at tft but i'm saying you are so good at tft you're top forming 40 70 percent of your games in tournament lobbies i'm saying you're already doing all those things you're paying attention to all your outs you're top forming 70 percent that is about the same win rate as a single table satellite in a poker tournament and every single poker player has gone through 100, 200 game streak losses at that roughly that win rate. So I think like what uh, Gangly said, like you can reasonably make assumptions. Sure, more data is better. 80 games is a lot, but you could be the best player and still not make it in 80 games. That being said, I also want to talk about something else um, that's tangentially related. Mm -hmm. Is it might sound like I'm like whining about bad variance as like why I didn't win regionals, but variance is actually really good for me in regionals. Because if there's no variance at all, then why am I even going to bother playing if just like Goobums, Sasuko, or whoever, they're just going to win every time. So variance is actually a really good thing. And that's why we all play TFT. That's why it's fun. That's why like chess, like classical chess has very little variance. That's why it's like people are not hyped to watch classical chess because Magnus Carlsen is just like, he's just not going to be beat. But yeah, so uh, I, I think like Varance is really good. Just to back up what Isa is saying, I can actually attest to after he won Challenger Series, he basically said everything he said in this podcast. Uh, he talked about in my interview with him. We, we kind of talked about the same exact thing where you gave the idea of like anybody in that field could have beaten you on that given day. And actually hearing you say right now that you felt like you were one of the weaker players in the finals, I feel like, uh, you know, kind of makes a lot of sense is kind of a testament to what you were saying even back then. Um, but so let me ask you to this then, like what would need to happen 
for you because because the way I I think of like TFT a TFT league is like I would love for there to be something like the LCS where I tune in every weekend or I tune in every week. I don't need to watch three five hour broadcasts to enjoy it. Like I just want to watch for a couple hours a week where my favorite player is actually trying to win and like they're trying to prove themselves and make worlds whatever. Like how what needs to happen for you two to actually care week over week about your the games you're playing for whatever this like circuit or league is. I mean, I I care, but I I know like Sock says like there's periods he he doesn't care, but like I I care about doing my best in every event. I, I think I'm just jaded, honestly. I mean, I back in set two, I'm back in set two when I'm set three, set four, and when I was competing. I, I mean, I I definitely cared. Maybe not every event, but like I care for like most of the major minor events. Um, yeah, I mean, but, even like, like more dog madness. I try to get my team to scrim, but they're like, Soul's like, nah, I'm busy playing Lost Ark. See, no, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> I, like none of us actually really cared for more dog madness. I'm, I'm sure Asa did, but like, I like we cared a little. I cared a little bit. I played like 15 games before, 15, 20 games before more dog madness. But, like, the two weeks prior to more dog madness, zero. <laughs> um, I do want to address your point, um, mainly though, the one where about every week to week, okay. I, I mean, we don't get paid enough to actually do things like that. Yeah, like, yeah. it's so much effort and it's so unenjoyable to actually be on be the best player every single week. First off, that's a lot of work. So come off, you have to change it so often. So every two weeks, you have to put in even more work, and it's just like, uh, I don't. That sounds terrible. Nobody wants to go through that. Like, even you know, even Asa probably wouldn't want to go through that. Like, that's just too much. Yeah, I mean. Because Sox has a job, so it's like not really realistic. And a kid, like for me, like it's just only TFT right now. But I couldn't, like, I couldn't do anything else for sure. So, yeah. Like, I, I the actually... only reason why TFT is playable for me is because like relevant tournaments are spaced far enough apart where if I need to prep for them, I'll prep for them like like the few weeks in advance, right? And it's not just a constant like grind. It's tough because you know on a certain level the what it would take for to to make the players care about it enough to like want to compete week over week it sounds like would be like the investment from outside sources to make it viable for them to do a full time the problem is without us doing something that's bringing in the viewership that's bringing in the investors we're not going to get that outside support and so we're kind of just st- stuck in this endless loop and i i know like i'm sure a lot of people uh, who are watching? I've I've probably seen like, some of the things I've been talking about on Twitter recently about like uh, how our our community really does need to feel a bit more empowered. And I'm just gonna kind of like um, go on a quick tangent, and we'll kind of return to the show here. Where I really do want to just say that like you know there are there are people who are doing these open bracket events. There are people uh, there are people who are doing um, like you know grassroots content who are really trying to make things grow. I think that it's really really important that we start to support those grassroots efforts because the reality is without the grassroots efforts, empowering players, empowering creators, finding ways to find supplemental income for these streamers, for the players, for the production, whatever it is like our scene just, it needs to start somewhere. And to me, I feel like it needs to just start from the grassroots. Um, the problem is that grassroots growth is slow, but steady and it's not inflated, which is great because we're not going to end up with a product that just has like a ton of money and absolutely nothing to show for it. But it is not, uh, it is not quick. I'm also kind of stretching this a little bit longer because Sox is gonna be back in just a minute. But Lawrence, did you have anything to follow up actually while uh, while we're here? Uh, that was an awesome tangent. Actually, it was much better than the initial point I came in with. Uh, I'll say that. But um, 
I do think it was really cool to actually hear like the conversation end up happening about that, where I think it was really important to point out that that variance does kind of create that hype. And if the plus, like the best player wins every time, that hype kind of like dies down, like was mentioned. Um, and that's like, but then that also means that those players may not feel as motivated to be the best if they're like, wow, this variance just, I can just get screwed here. Or like, I might just lose out on day one. Like, uh, it's a, like a weird balancing act that I think needs to really be delved into and i don't really have like a statement on that but i think it was really cool to hear that particular point being made okay so i actually i have an opinion here that is kind of controversial i don't even know if i agree with this i'm going to say it anyway though um for for that exact reason what you just said of like because of the variance in the game it, it lowers the motivation to actually get good that's actually why like at a certain level making content and like reputation and storylines that aren't a hundred percent true but make sense based on the results we've seen is actually kind of helpful because to to a low level player like if 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 a player is a gold level player there is a zero there i mean 99 out of 100 times like if you put asa or socks in their games they will always win or top four like they're never going to just go 888 in gold so, like, for the majority of the player base, it really isn't about variance. And so, to me, it's like, if we're catering to the spectators, to the viewers, it's it's almost, like, okay to say, well, let's just sideline the variance and pretend it's not yeah. there just for a minute to say that, like, this is the best player because he won. And even though it's not true, and that's what I'm saying, I don't even know if I agree, but, like, at a certain level, even though it may not be true, it's, it's better for the spectator because it applies to them. You, do you know what I mean? No, I, I actually agree a lot because like uh, what like I talk a lot about variance because it's just like when I hear something that I think is just like I think it's very wrong. I just want to like say it, but I, I, I love like the power rankings and stuff. I think they're super fun. Um, but yeah, I also hard agree. I mean, it's super evident because NA is like by so far better than the EU. It's laughable. So like what you said right now, there's literally zero variance NA is like 10 times not even 10 times, like 100 times better than you. <laughs> All right. Lori, the real hot take. I think uh, that's, I mean, that's not even a hot take. take. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm just missing. I'm that's just missing. the least hot take on the show so far. <laughs> that's that's, that's like all the time we have for this take. It's in the Lawrence. freezer. Uh, before, before you go, Lawrence, is there anything you want to shout out? Uh, no, just a uh, shout out to Gangly. I, this is such an awesome space. I'm glad you're starting to do this. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks again for calling in. Uh, hope to see you next time. Alrighty, thank you. All right. All right, yeah, we've had some really good, there's been a lot of great conversation coming out of these calls. I'm super happy, proud of all of you, chat. Uh, these are some great calls tonight, but let's just go straight into our next one. Uh, and Inspires is here. Inspires, you're muted right now, but where are you calling in from? Oh, hey, how's it going, everyone? I'm calling from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Very nice, and what do you want to talk about? Oh, uh, yeah, so I don't think it's a super hot take or anything, but I just want to maybe get some discussion on, I just feel like this year's Worlds felt like the most underwhelming, I guess, out of all of them, and kind of with how well-received Set 6 was, um, ending with such a disappointing Worlds, from a viewer's perspective, of course, feels like a step backwards from all the progress that TFT has kind of made uh, in such a, like, a short amount of time with all the, I guess, all the hype that was around it. I, and I do know that because of like the timing with like a Lost Ark coming out and also with uh, with the time zone difference that made TFT kind of suffer, but 
I just want I just want, just want to get your guys' take on essentially how you guys felt of the the whole of the whole set was for you guys at, from a competitive standpoint or or even from like a viewer perspective from for some of you during like worlds right sure so yeah that, let's let's start with just worlds first asa socks did okay. you two feel like it was worlds less hype than previous worlds this year i have a couple things so one is i heard like the camera people like um whoever's like controlling the camera and the quality like that's obviously not something that like we control like us like we can control that and like that's just like a fluke basically right um but then the other thing with it being hype i think again is like some more again i think it's like some more hindsight because imagine it's like day three the exact same thing except uh checkmate didn't happen on that game and then like Goobums comes back and win. I think people would think that, like they'd be like, "Oh man, Worlds is super hype, right?" So it's just like, bit like, yeah. I, th- I think it's just because we're all from NA and NA didn't win. Yeah, I guess it's a little bit biased from my from my side as well. Yeah, considering I'm from NA. Socks, what do you think of Worlds this year? Uh, I, I mean, I, I I didn't watch Worlds. I, I don't actually, <laughs> I don't actually watch or like didn't really. I mean, it's kind of bad. If I'm not playing it, if I'm not, not prepping for it, I don't really watch TFT. Actually, I think TFT is. <laughs> Pretty bad to watch. <laughs> um, the thing is that we should we should discuss this at some point. I know you guys discussed that at some point uh, earlier. Like you you briefly discussed it, but like, I mean, I I kind of want to like um to talk about like ideas to make TFT more watchable as well. Like if I'm not personally invet- invested in getting better at TFT, which the moment I'm done playing TFT, I I don't really care about getting better. Um, I don't really care too about much about watching worlds, and even though like. You know, some of my favorite, some of my, some of my boys are in the finals. I mean, uh, it's, I mean, I don't need to watch them to support them, right? It's like, it's, so I don't really watch too much TFT, um, actually. So, yeah, I actually, so, so I really like watching TFT, but it is sometimes really hard to justify the amount of time it takes to watch an entire tournament. Actually, I would say most of the time it's really hard for me to justify watching an entire tournament, especially. Just with like, you know, the other people have it as well. People have a family, they have responsibilities on the weekends, whatever it is, like taking five hours per per day over the course of three days uh, is a lot of time to put into a weekend. I I don't know if it was actually just that North America didn't win and that's why it wasn't hype because I know like set set four, set five, I was pretty invested into those, into those uh, worlds. This time around, I also kind of felt like I wasn't that upset that I missed it because uh, I, I talked about it on the, on the last episode where I basically like I watched one and a half games of the final day and then I like went to go take care of my kids. And then when I came back, the, the tournament was just over. Um, I think like the fact that it was four games felt really bad. That's probably just a failure of, of, of the checkmate format. Um, I don't I don't really have an answer, though, to be honest, of like why it wasn't as hype, because I would say for the majority of set six. I felt like every single tournament was super hype, even like Piltover and Zon, which like are open brackets. You don't know every single player in the lobbies that you're watching. Like they still felt so hype just because of, you know, like the freshness of augments. Um, there was still like a ton of really great players playing in the field. Maybe a part of that is honestly uh, just like kind of at this point in time, watching a tournament where you don't know. How many players were there total? 24. So like, real, you know, some people really only know their representatives and nobody else. So like to watch a lobby on day two where there's like nobody that you're rooting for. It's like, why am I even watching this game? You know, 
Um, I don't know the answer to that, though, unless they're like making feature pieces on every single one of the players that also we're probably not going to watch if we're not from that region anyway. Like, I, I don't really know the answer. I'm actually, I'm curious, Inspires, like, were you, have you been watching Worlds for a while? Was there a certain Worlds in particular uh, that you really enjoyed watching? So I'm, I would just, I, I have I didn't play TFT since, like, set one, like, like a lot of these guys, like, pros did. Um, but for me, I started watching TFT at the end of set 3.5 into set 4. And I felt like as a new player coming into this game, set four, watching that worlds, I was very excited to play set five. And even though set five was like memed or like a little bit of truth behind, like it wasn't like the greatest set, I still felt that worlds. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe it was the storylines going in. Maybe I was just there was hype between me as a new player and like this new game. There was some little bridge there. But it just felt like going into day one of Worlds of Set 5, I was very excited to watch. And for some reason, even though I didn't know all the ins and outs, all the units, and I was still a new player, it felt like even if I didn't know exactly what was happening on my screen, it felt like it was an exciting game for some reason. So, and then it did, I didn't get that same spark for Set 6. Six point, I guess the Worlds for Set 6. Yeah. I, I wish I had, like, a really great, concise answer. Oh, honest. I know the answer. I know oh, the answer. Up? All right, what is it? It's because uh, right. this is the humble trip. going to clear all everything. It's going to be perfectly after this. So, okay, set three. Gainly made uh, a video, five players to watch our world. Set four, Gainly made a video, five players to watch our world. Set five, Gainly made one. Set six, Gainly oh. did not make one. I, I thought you were gonna say Soju didn't make it. Oh yeah, Soju. No, Soju never makes it to world. But so Soju didn't never no make change. it to any world. No there. Oh, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't have anything. Oh, oh my god, I'm, I'm a genius. That's it. That's it. No, That's honestly, it. figured it out. I figured it out. That, no, honestly, it out. without, 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 like no cab, that actually adds a lot. Like no, like unironically, uh, I watch every single one of Gaming's things before worlds. It's always super hype, uh, including set five. Even though, even though I didn't watch set five or set six worlds, but like, set five, I watched mm. it. Uh, and it just made the experience way better. I feel like people who create content like Amy, um, I, I mean, for like pe me, someone who watches most of the content, it's really, 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 it actually is the kind of the make or break uh, for a lot of these players to watch out for. Because I actually don't know anyone without some videos like that. I, I, I'd agree from a viewer and like someone that consumes content for sure. Like, so kind of good TFT content really helps. <laughs> The, you know, I think on Riot's side, one of the issues is like, I would say even my videos are kind of evidence of it, is that like when you make content like that, it tends to be high impact, so to speak, but low reach. And like at a certain level, like a company like Riot is, is only going to have, they have to care about the reach, right? But like to me... I I did a poll on my on my YouTube once of like if you if you subscribe to my channel like what rank are you in TFT and it was like sixty percent or something were GM or higher like the majority of people who watch my kind of content are super invested into the game which is great like I love it because it allows me to have really interesting conversations and you know kind of make assumptions in my pieces the problem is that you know if we're trying to reach the average viewer for whatever reason that piece that kind of piece doesn't cater to them which is weird when i think about it like even talking about it out loud like actually why why wouldn't that cater huh. to a random gold player Wait, like why would it no my question is why would gold players want to watch worlds worlds i mean i watch worlds for lcs and like i i haven't i, I watch for, for a long i watch worlds for league too but like yeah, i watch yeah. it not no but i watch it because 
I like, I think the league is fun to watch. Or like Smash. I don't even play Smash, but like Smash finals are fun to watch. Yeah, I I think it's just um, in, in the end of the day, like we all have our opinions about like what we liked about sex, whatever. But honestly, like we're such a small minority of the viewers that it actually doesn't matter what our opinions are like it doesn't matter at all like anyone in here i think fundamentally it's just that, that there needs to be more discussion about how to make tft more fun to watch which there always has been like but there's no like i, I mean i've never really talked to it with, with the other guys i don't know if you guys talk about it with other people but um like there there's got to be a way to make tft like more fun to watch right that that's not just as you know more that not doesn't require that much more work i don't know yeah, I, I feel like these turn-based games, sorry, um, just okay. like, because even like Magic and Hearthstone, like they don't get like a lot of viewership, and those are like the biggest games of like the genre. Yeah, no, but those are the things that those are pure strategy games. Like the, the things that TFT, the reason why TFT is watchable right now, like I play like those strategy games as well, and those kind of strategy games are not watchable on Twitch. But TFT is watchable on Twitch because TFT is a strategy game disguised as an action game. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't know, I, I feel like there's a way. Um, yeah, it's tough because, you know, like when you look at the viewership of TFT, when it's just like a player randomly streaming and they like are able to casually talk about their mindset, their thought process, blah, 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 like how they're getting to their end game board. It's like really fun. And when they get to kind of be Mimi and get to do like these big reactions, like people love that. The problem is like, you know, when I uh, I tweeted the other day asking about like, oh, what would make... TFT, what would make a casual fan into TFT? And and a lot of people said things like, oh, I want to just like see the the um the POV of the player actually playing. And I want to hear them talking. But like, socks, if you are on the main stage, top eight of worlds, like how much are you talking to chat like in and that you're tournament? Not. Exactly. For these tournaments, you're not. But the thing is like uh, here here's the thing. Here's like the fundamental thing that I think might reach more people that like uh, especially competitive, super competitive tournaments like this, is that like after watching Worlds, it's hard to notice like no. I think like it's basically we need to frame it in an argument, uh, point of view where like these players are much better. Maybe like maybe like a I don't know if the circular region, but like in a strategic sense, like some of the plays that the world players made are insane. Like and like after hearing Goons talk about it, like holy fuck, the things that I think even average players would be like blown away by them. Like one example. I will show tell you consistently is that every single game that Goobans can, um, okay, we talk about items every single day. Every single game at three two, Goobans puts three items on three different units. Even if he could, could put those on the same unit and it could be like a one v nine, he'll put them on three different units because he wants to hit a cha- have a chance of hitting cyber uh, cybernetics. Mm. Now in a main world broadcast, I didn't watch it, but I bet I I bet that it was not even mentioned a single time. And like other plays, like another play that I, I just made recently in the Mortok Madness 4 4 tournament, uh, I leveled at uh, uh, I leveled to nine. I won the weirdest times in TFT because my, my teammate Pressman was at one life and he was guaranteed to lose the next round. And then the EU player uh, was also like really low, and I had to deal a super high amount of damage to the EU player to actually guarantee that Pressman goes seventh and um, the EU player goes eighth. Uh, so that happened, but like that was never even brought up by the main broadcast. Obviously, it's not their fault because so right. many things are going on. How could they know? Yeah, how could they know? But I'm just saying, like TFT actually maybe has potential to like to make watching it like relatively interesting. Like I have no reason to ever watch the main broadcast because 
no offense to the main broadcast, uh, they're just like filling it with like dead talk. Like there's nothing interesting to have to, to happen in the main broadcast. No offense to the casters, but like, um, I mean, Froden's really good at color, uh, color coloring things. I think Froden's my favorite caster because like, um, the way he castings is very hype. Um, but like even when Froden's casting, I don't really watch it because there's no reason to watch the main broadcast. Who cares? But when someone else is uh, when when people are co-casting, and this is why co the co-cast stream always gets more views. They're talking like really really deep into his strategy. Um, so like, uh. Half of it is backed by the personality of the person co-casting, but like the co-casting is way more watchable, way more interesting to me, because they actually like make an attempt to discuss strategy. Mm. Now I don't know if that's a hot take, but that's my take right now. Asen, do you have any thoughts before I bounce off of this? Um, you go ahead first. Well, so the one thing I will say is that kind of circling back to a discussion we had way before about. 4v4 having a lot of benefits. One of the things that we actually could implement is if we are having more team-based formats, we then have this opportunity to have, first of all, sponsored uh, sponsored segments of, for instance, like the MLG Astro Listen In, like they used to do way back in the day of, of the like MLG Halo events, uh, where we can have like these listen-ins of the teams actually discussing strategy and figuring out what they want to do. And we have the actual opportunity to hear Sox say that to his team of saying like, I'm going to level to nine and try and, you know, give, get precedent seventh. Um, that's something that we would not be able to do if we're not actually using the voice comms, but we're not going to get those voice comms in a free for all format. So I do think that is like another, you know, and then it, being able to utilize that in the main broadcast as well, where like if the casters are able to call for voice comms to come in because, you know, they notice that there are a bunch of people that are really low in health. They want to hear like how the teams are dealing with that. It, it like brings a whole new layer of, of information that the casters can work with. And I hear what you're saying, Sox, but the only, I will push back and say that. I don't think the main broadcast is for you anyway. Like we're talking about it before, like the, the how do we reach new players? We don't reach new players by talking about things that are interesting to to socks, you know, because sure. to them they're not going to know what's going on. Like we have to make the broadcast interesting and entertaining to a player with a very baseline level of TFT knowledge. Uh, why is that the case though? Just just uh, uh, I mean I'm, I'm just challenging you. Yeah, just, yeah. Because there are significantly the... more of them than there no, are of you. No, no, but that's that's what I'm trying to challenge. Let's just say I also think sorry you got uh, it. I was gonna say um, we should let us talk but I was gonna say that's what I'm trying to challenge. Why should we be reaching new players? Those aren't the people who are watching TFT. The people who watch TFT are like a lot of my friends who do care about watching TFT are the ones who are trying to get better, like between plat, diamond, master, um, grandmaster and stuff. That's the people who actually like care about watching TFT. I, none of my new friend, new player friends watch TFT. So you're saying it's more of like uh, if you make the broadcast good and it caters to the players who are into it, then like over time it will just naturally draw players who are getting into the game. Is that is that because like to me what I'm saying is like if we're if our casters are catering the information they're providing on cast to players who already have to have a certain level of knowledge in order for them to understand what they're saying, or and maybe maybe I'm being like a bit hyperbolic with that, but like. To me, I feel like the casters need to cater to the players who are getting into the scene and maybe they have like a certain level of baseline knowledge, but like they can't really assume that much of the viewer. I don't know. I, I'll let the talk since, since, you know, I've been kind of going at it. Yeah, go for it, Asa. Uh I, I mean, I don't think this is um, a topic that like I feel super strongly about, but I will say like the socks example you used earlier about the cybernetic. I mean, to to someone who... To like an average viewer, 
like you're saying like that was that would be really cool because like mind-blowing information to you but to the average viewer like that's i don't feel like that's different than them saying just like oh this guy uh put uh put his tank in the corner because the other guy had a blitzcrank or something like that to you might sound really simple but i don't really differentiate those two things they're just like different levels of like um different levels of like strategy i don't think that's true i don't think that's true like the the value that 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 the like the player will assume that play has is is so like arbitrary to them like you could also say at right before three two Goobums rolls for four mercenaries every single time on the off chance that he gets mercenary heart and gets to play five mercs at three two and like a player who's like brand new is going to be like that sounds like a good play to me five no 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 that's what good. I'm trying to say new players aren't watching the stream that's not that's the isn't that the crux of the argument like that would be cool. I mean, like, okay, it really depends. Like, it's like saying, like, an, a, a regular Zed outplay is, is cooler than Faker's Zed outplay against Ryu. I, I guess I would just say, I, I get what you're saying, but I also think, like, what you're saying about the strategy broadcast, or the off, like, the non-main broadcast, I think people just want to watch, like, their favorite streamers, because I, I watch every game in Worlds. Um, I know, like, by far the most strategy intensive broadcast because Soju didn't stream day two. I watched Soju's broadcast for day one and day three, but he didn't stream day two. So for day two, I watched Ramblin and Eniko stream it. Sorry, I didn't watch main broadcast for any of them. Um, but <laughs> Ramblin and Eniko streamed every day, and they by far were the deepest like strategy broadcasts. But like the thing is, if like the main like let's say Worlds is going on. And then Soju's streaming Valorant, and Boxbox is streaming Mario Speedrun, and like someone else, like most people just want to watch Soju and like Boxbox or no, whoever's. You still have to be yeah, entertaining, sure. right? Yeah. You still have to be entertaining. On um, not no flame to you know, Nico and Ramon, but when they cast, they're not particularly entertaining. Sure. Yeah, I think I think that's fair, definitely, and that's like I think the extreme example of like someone who's incredibly already has like a high level of knowledge in TFT would enjoy that stream because they get to hear the nuances that they normally like may not think of themselves, but otherwise it like is just going to go over the head and not be interesting of a lot of players. Uh, I do want to make, make it clear though, socks. Like I am kind of pushing back on what you're saying. I also do agree though, that the, uh, the main broadcast is not where it should be. Um, I, I actually do think that like the main broadcast could be utilizing like a plethora of like, uh, stats in particular, like, uh, yeah, stats is a good one. I think like, I don't know. I, I would love to see like even random, like arbitrary stats of seeing like the average amount of gold a player typically has at four, one or three, two, like just to see like what kind of player tends to roll deep on those intervals and what kind of player tends to greed for like a fast aim, right? Like those are kinds of things where if we had the stats and graphics that the casters had access to, where we could start to categorize players live on broadcast of like, well, now we're in a lobby of two greedy players, a lost streak and a fast eight player. Like these are really simple ways to make a play, put a player in a box that like a random new viewer can say like, I like the fast eight player because he's greedy and he's going to go high variance, high risk, whatever. Like, you know, maybe it not, it may not be true, but like a hundred percent of the time, but if we can categorize them to make them more digestible and it's going to be true 70% of the time, like that sounds good enough to me. I, I don't know. Like, I think there are definitely more ways to make the game more digestible on the broadcast. Well, I actually think that sounds like such a good idea because um, someone made a Reddit post on just like after, after challenger series, they they did one for like me, Setsuko, and some like two other players, like just a graph on us, like how much gold and what level we are on different stages. Oh, I feel like basically what you're what you're saying, I feel like would be like, 
I feel like that would be super cool. Where it's like basically like with a baseball player stats, right? You yes. have like, oh, this guy hits more home runs, but this guy gets first base more often. And it's like having something like that gives would get like players something to relate to because they can also look up their own stats as well and be like, oh, this guy plays like me. Just it helps build storylines, correct? Yeah, so that's exactly. What like. Yeah. I, so I, I, when I was younger, I was super into baseball. Real quick, uh, sorry, socks. I just, I just want to get this out here real quick. That like when I was younger, I was super into baseball, and I would almost never watch games live. I would really, I would typically just like read the box scores in the pa- in the newspaper that my dad had the next day. Because like to me, at a certain level, like reading about the players allowed me to kind of like use my imagination to like put them in these boxes and understand like, w- you know, who is like the superhero that I love based on like the things I'm reading about them. And, like, if we could kind of have something like that in TFT, I just think it makes it so much easier for these new fans to have, like, idols and storylines that they're coming up with that we're perpetuating on broadcast and, like, outside of the actual event itself. What were you saying, Sox? I was going to say that, um... Oh, hold on. I'm typing into a chat. I was going to say that, um... Uh, shit. I was gonna say, oh, oh, it's, this is so free. What the hell? You just pull up Tactics Talk Tools, put it on the, the screen for all eight players, bada beam, bada boom. <laughs> Everyone can relate to that. that that's the thing, though, but ladder is different. Oh, uh, no, obviously, it's a joke. It's right. a joke. And the biggest men- problem is, like, I've actually I've kind of looked into this a little bit and I can't find an answer. So if anyone from Riot is listening to this show right now, shoot me a DM on Twitter, but please give us access to the API of Tournament Realm. So that we can actually pull the data that we're seeing on t- uh, tactics.tools into a database similar to Oracle's Elixir like they have in League. It's insane that we don't have the capacity <laughs> to do that in our league. And yet you also are not provide and you're not doing it yourselves. Like if Rai is not going to do it themselves, then give us the tools <laughs> to do it ourselves. That's like the most passionate and angry I'm going to be on this show. But it actually is really frustrating to me that. We either need to be equipped with the tools to do it ourselves or it needs to be done for us. And I would rather us have the tools to do it ourselves because there are more of us than there are of you. And we, I guarantee you we could make something sick. No, I, I think that would be tactics really like tools, having tactics.tools for tournament realm and then going into worlds and be like, yeah, this guy plays Sivir in like 80% of his games or like something like that would be like really cool. And then this way you can see that GBA has a D in itemization. <laughs> oh, so does Goobans apparently because he builds he builds Easy Rot, which is tactics top tools for some reason sees it as like a D tier item. Okay. So I mean that kind of is obviously a joke because like it's not real data and you know it's a joke but like I feel like there's you know it's just talking points that makes it more interesting for the Yeah. Uh, it's just like the thing is that the main broadcast is so little information it's just it's laughable. I okay, but how would you know if you don't watch the main broadcast? Oh, I mean, I do watch the main broadcast. <laughs> okay. when, I play, yeah, when I play the tournament, I watch the main broadcast because I'm not trying to get entertained. Uh, I'm just trying to like use it to like meditate. Like watching the main broadcast is the best way to put you to, like to like hibernation right away. So just use it. So effective. All right, inspires. I think that's all the time we have for this call. Um, is there anything you want to shout out before you go? Uh, not dude, I just want to shout out to the TFT community and uh, the TFT team at Riot for sure. They put in a lot of work, so yeah, big shout out to Mort and the, the team over there. And just shout out to all the entertainment streamers and the influencers like uh, Kuki. <laughs> See you guys. All right, thanks for coming on. We'll catch you next time. See ya. All right. I think we probably have time for one more call and then we can uh, wrap up after that. So I'm going to pull in our last caller of the night. Dehua, I actually still don't know how to pronounce your name. If you could actually pronounce it this time for me, that would be great. But where are you calling in from? 
Oh, I'm calling you from Delaware. Uh, you can call me Dehua. Dehua. All right, Dehua. What do you want to talk about tonight? Oh, I hope I don't get flamed as much as last time. But here we go. <laughs> oh, uh, were you the new battle take last time? Yeah. You and I know Ace wrote a nice comment on Reddit, and I yeah. <laughs> That's so, pretty much what we talked about today. Yeah. Um. But like, here we go. You know, I I was thinking about one. So like the past two tournaments, you know with Worlds and the More Dog Manus tournament, really showed the vulnerability of EU in my mind. You know, losing to the Mickey Mouse Valorant team and not having anyone in the top eight of Worlds, it just shows how incredibly bad the state of EU is, and especially the state of EU without their French players. And in my opinion, EU should lose two or three spots next Worlds due to these underperformances. And I guess maybe you could throw one spot only for French players. Oh my gosh. So wait, so you're saying France is like uh what's it called when they're you're like taken apart from like a region? Um Yeah, they can be like a sub-region, you know? Like a sub-region. I mean, they have their own set of representatives and then EU gets like one or two. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's I think it's very obvious. It's like NA, a little bit gap, France, big gap EU, right? Rest of EU. So I just think that should be shown appropriately at Worlds. Oh man. Okay, here's my take. Here's my take, actually. So, I mean, what's it called? Because, I mean, since Asus here, the results don't actually matter. That's not the point. Like, the results don't really tell you which one is really stronger. Although, I will say that, like, if you watch EU's, if you watch EU play, which I did a lot before, um, and the regionals, yeah, EU is trash. But also, that being said, that being said, I watched NA and I watched my own games, and holy fuck. Oh my god, NA is arguably worse. Like, so that's my hot take because, like, I watch my own games. And I'm like, holy fuck, I play worse than EU sometimes. Um, so um, EU is actually not that bad. Uh, NA is probably equally as bad. Um, I would say on average, the top, uh, the 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 median EU player is probably better than the median NA player. But I think the top NA player is way better than the top EU player. But that's only because. KC Double refuses to stream because the EU players are a bunch of fucking sweats. They delete their VODs after they fucking play the game. It blows my fucking mind. One of, them had, get better? one of them had their VODs behind a paywall. I forget who it was. No, 90% of them it's have crazy. their VODs behind their paywall. They are so cringe. Like, holy shit. It actually gives you a big advantage if you're, like, taking... But I feel like it's really unfair because, like, you're taking everyone else's tech, but then you don't give your own tech. Oh, my God. These EU players are so cringe, dude. So wait, so so socks. It sounds like you're saying the result of this set. Obviously, you not getting the results they're looking for. You would you would probably attribute that more to like the variance than the no, that's variance 100. Okay, okay. That's like that's not that's not debatable. I think. Okay, so EU is not actually worse than OCE. Um, EU is not actually worse than OCE. Okay, yes. Okay. Uh, Asa, how how familiar are you with EU? Not super familiar. So I watched um some EU players. So basically, like. Like, the main reason I watch Worlds is because I still care about, like, getting better at TFT. Even, like, I know most people were checked out after Worlds. I'm still trying to pass that Suko. I'm ranked 2 right now. Right now. Um, but, like, I watch VODs from Korea, China. I watch every region because I feel like every region has, like, a slightly different playstyle. Um, so I watch, like, some of the rank 1, like, you know, like, top, top 10 EU players. I did think, from what I saw, I thought they were worse than NA, so I, did, I stopped watching EU players. Um, I don't think they're, like, way worse or anything. 
And yeah, I mean, like, if you use the results of, like, more Dog Madness, I'm pretty sure, like, you and NA went pretty neck and neck. You could say, like, the NA players were, like, really checked out, which I think is fair. Um, but EU also, I'm pretty sure, had a team that was just, like, for fun as well. But I'm pretty sure, like, uh, over, like, the sample size of the entire tournament, it was, like, pretty neck and neck. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I'm, I feel like I'm the least, well, I'm by far the least qualified to comment on the state of EU. Um, so I'm going to kind of keep my own opinions to myself on this because I don't really have anything worth sharing. I will say that I really wish, and this is kind of a tangent, I guess, just because I don't, I don't know if we're really going to get that much more discussion out of this, but like, I really wish that we had more content um, kind of giving shining a spotlight on EU players. Because to be honest, like... For me, the, the the players I watch in EU, like I, I watch like some of the Italian league. I, I really like like Balotelli. I was watching Luque when he was when he was playing a lot. Um, and then obviously like there's like random players like Gunmay. I've always been a big fan of, but like for the most part, I don't even know like where to start when I'm watching EU. And there's I don't unless I'm wrong, like I don't think there's anyone like producing interview content or like any sort of like player spotlight content in EU. And I, I could be wrong. I may just not be seeing that stuff. But I would, I would really, really love to see more of like the narrative content being built up in EU because, at le at the very least, like when you have these sets when you're underperforming when the variants hit you wrong, like I wish you still had something else to point to to say like look at these other things that we've done this set because to me like looking from the outside in I actually just I don't even know what happened in EU in set six and I would say like the majority of the NA player base is only gonna see those results and just assume that like EU is not very good, which like the best players are going to know that like they're like Sox said, like their median, um, like challenger player or whatever, like top players probably better than ours. Um, but the average viewer, the, the casual viewer is going to have no idea that that's the case. So this, I think this set should be a wake up call to EU that like, if you have people who are, who are itching to make content, like fuel them, you know, like be there to, to like lend them a helping hand and like make stuff happen because Sometimes a variance is just going to hit you the wrong way and you're left in the dust. And I wish you guys had some more content that you could kind of fall back on. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I have to say about EU. I mean, I always think like the best, uh, the best, like there's always variance, but I always think the best, like, um, what's the word, like softener of variance is just going to be ladder. So I know like there's like EU players that play on NA ladder and NA players that play on EU ladder. And I'm not sure, like, didn't Goose like get rank one in EU? And it's like I don't know, like I don't know how hard like all these all these other different players are um, playing. Sox has big disagreement ladder reports into a chat, but I mean like ladder. <laughs> I mean it's different than tournament, but it's like part of being good at TFT is your ability to adapt to any situation. And like every tournament's gonna be different, right? Like day one, day two, day three, and ladder. Like those are all gonna be four different situations. So I think like if you're good at TFT, like I just think ladder's gonna be the biggest sample size. So like. It might if you're the best ladder player, that doesn't necessarily mean you're the best tournament player, but I think it's like a very high um it's just the best indicator, I think. I mean, we can have a topic to talk about this for hours, but yeah. I'm not gonna get into it. But I was gonna say on the tangential related thing. Um so uh, actually I mean I think half the reason why EU um talent pool is so shallow outside of France is because <clears throat> Like basically, it has to do with content creation. So uh, if you watch some of the you watch EU players, which I do follow on Twitch, um there's not like if you watch all the EU streamers, they're all unwatchable. They're all boring. They don't really say anything. They're super, super unwatchable. Uh, but the one exception is uh, Sean C from France. Uh, he's kind of like the Faith Soju of uh, uh, TFT over there. And like, 
I don't even speak French, and whenever I watch EU streams, uh, Shanzi is the one who's casting it. He's actually hella fun to watch. He is very entertaining, even though I don't even understand what he's saying. It's just the way he speaks about things, like his uh, general overall attitude. And he self-runs most of the uh, tournaments, and he promotes them, and he streams them, and he, um, I think he even funds some of them. I'm not even sure about that one. Um, so, like, he's, like, I would say, like, a, a huge reason why he is so successful. He's entertaining. He's personable. Uh, NA has, like, people like that, Kim, Soju, Milk. Um, there's a lot of names not on this list. I'm kind of getting carried by them, but <clears throat> the point is, uh, the reason why, like, EU France is so po popular is because there is, like, uh, attraction for, for that kind of stuff. I think it's actually very, very important. Um, Dehua, is there anything you want to add before uh, we kind of wrap up? Oh, is it, am I allowed to ask, like, I just wonder... Would you be down to combine NA and EU regionals? I feel like that would be lit. No? Uh, oh, I kind of like that it. defeat the point of regionals, though? Yeah, yeah, but like, I guess. All right. I mean, I think every tournament should... I, I just think we should have a lot more international tournaments, in my opinion. But like, I feel like the way you phrase the question just doesn't make any sense. But yeah, I feel like just every tournament should be international. I, do, I also do want to say, I guess kind of just to put a bow on it, I, do, I think it would be really, really sad if we actually took uh, Worlds slots away from EU just from one underperforming, cause especially considering the fact they still have like a World Championship under the belt, their belt and we don't. Uh, oh, so. That's just variance, though, you know? That's true. That's true. We have more Mortog Madness wins, so you know, at the end of the day, there we go. Um, yeah, we, we win real tournaments. All right, Dehua, I, I think that's all the time we have. But is, is there anything you want to say before you go? Anything you want, you want to shout out? Oh, you just stay free. You know, that's it. True. Like all this. right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Dehua. We'll catch you next time. Man. All right. Well, you know what? I feel like we've, we've talked a lot uh, about a lot today. This was a really good discussion. Um, got some great calls again. Thanks to everyone who submitted your topics. Uh, we're, you know, sorry, we couldn't get through all of them. We actually got a ton of, of takes this time around. Um, also shout outs to blind who was going through those and, and making sure we got some good talking points for stream. Um, but Asa socks, thank you both for joining me. This has been a really fun discussion. Actually, I, I knew it was going to be good, but this was this was really good. I really enjoyed talking with you both. You both were, were really fun to have. Um, before we go, is there anything you guys want to shout out? Asa, you want to start? Um, I mean, just TFT community, I guess. Like, Gangly, um, you for hosting this show. Uh, I also started my own podcast that you inspired based on yours. So, yeah, just everyone in the TFK community has been like so nice and just uh, welcoming. I, I don't feel like I have like I don't feel like there's like anyone I don't like in it. And Asa's show is is full open. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, I'm assuming just I don't know if your channel is Asa TFT. I'm sure if you look up Asa TFT, you'll find it. You'll find his his full open series. Episode three just dropped, I believe, right, featuring Emily Wang, right? Yeah. If anyone knows how to contact her, I, I need to like message her today first. A deadline for the first or eighth. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Emily Wang, if you're watching, reach out to Asa, please. Uh, Socks, anything you want to shout out before you go? No, but uh, it looks like Asa's a known text dealer now. Apparently, stealing your show, stealing my texts. <laughs> and that kind of sus. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, well, I, I, there's a. Uh, I'm I'm pretty excited for TFT in the future. Um, 
they they said they're growing TFT like in terms of the number of employees. Um, they okay. Uh, I I I don't know if I'm allowed to leak this, but says so some monetization. I don't I I don't ever buy anything related to TFT because I think that. I mean, I'm fundamentally fundamentally against spending money on games, but some of the new shit is pretty woke. Um, so pretty excited they're actually trying to make money on TFT finally. Nice. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't think the esports scene is going to pop up anytime soon. Um, but if it does, um, I mean, that'll be super lit. Maybe one day it'll be like really, really big. Uh, I, I'm always excited to say that um, my son Ryan, he's currently nine months old. He's gonna grow up with TFT being the biggest game, so he's pretty very. He's actually very lucky. You're gonna make him do roll downs for his chores. Yeah, uh, TFT is gonna be so widespread that in his elementary school they they play TFT. Socks, <laughs> are you still working on on your game? Is that something you want to talk about at all? Yeah, I know. I mean, I know. I've been taking a break. I haven't really been motivated because um, uh, um, my partner took a small break, and then because of that, I had to take care of Ryan all week, and I took a break. I have, for my game, I have one idea that is so cool. Like, it is, like, okay, I'm making an auto-battler, but I, I don't want to spoil it. I, I think the idea is so good and so cool that, like, if I were to pitch it to Riot, it would be the set A mechanic. Like, 100% would be the set A mechanic, <laughs> and set a TFT will pop off. But the thing is that I'm trying to also um, make my game and, like, sell it at some point. So I can't pitch it to Riot yet. So maybe set time. All right. But like this mechanic, I promise you, if I told you guys, I told you guys about it, you're gonna be like, "This is a woke." All right. Well, you can follow Asa at Asa TFT and Socks at Mismatch Sock Zero, I think it is on Twitter. Make sure you follow both of them uh, for more updates about what they have going on. Thank you, everyone, seriously, who watched uh, this episode live. This was a great chat, great discussion. Appreciate everyone who came on. Um, I don't really have that much more to shout out. I guess, you know, if you aren't already subscribed on YouTube, would really appreciate that. If you don't follow the channel already, it would also mean a lot to me if you did that. We're doing these episodes every other week. Um, the next episode, episode five, is going to be the last one. I believe that'll be during set six. I don't remember exactly where that timing is. I think that would be the last one, and then we'll move on to set seven. So keep an eye out for that. Um, other than that, shout out to, to Blind who helps me run the show. Shout out to Psyched who's watching this during graduation right now. Uh, he's literally in a ceremony <laughs> watching this. And thank you to everybody who's watching. So seriously, shout out to all of you who, who support the show um, and, and give us a reason to come on out here. Um, so with that, good night to everybody. Be good, and we'll catch you next time.